0: Do you like resilience? Do you like babies? Do you like awards? Do you like people who are successful at what they do? Well, then stick around. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 68 as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman. And today I'm joined by a prolific, award-winning, business continuity professional, Jane Romanchuk. In today's episode, Jane explains that she's addicted to winning awards, but she reveals the secret sauce that has made her so successful. It's going to involve finding ways to improve things. And I think it's going to have something to do with being inquisitive. You're going to want to hear this. And we also hear from the newest member of the Resilience family, Jane's daughter Alina can be heard throughout this episode.
1: Hello, I'm Lisa Jones, one of the managing partners of the
0: Resilience Think Tank. I wanna take a moment to tell you about a special event called Head Forth Saturday. On Saturday, December 24th, we're encouraging followers of the Resilience
1: Think Tank and listeners of the Resilience Journey to go out and do an intentional act of kindness for someone. It can be as simple as buying a cup of coffee for a person behind you in line,
0: donating to a local food bank, or anything that would make someone smile during the stressful holiday season. Then, I encourage you to drop us a line on LinkedIn letting us know how you paid it for. Don't forget, that's Pay It Forward Saturday, December 24th. Gene, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you here. Take a minute and introduce yourself and something I've started doing Tell the listeners something that we might not otherwise know about you.
1: Okay. Hi. Well, thanks for having me. I've um, been looking forward to this for a while now. Um, but yeah, something about me. So, um, I've been working in business continuity for quite up to six years now. So it'll be six years in February. And like the majority of people, I absolutely fell into it. Um, it wasn't intentional. Right. I did not have a clue what it was. Um, you know, I, I got pulled aside one day and said, "Oh, you're going to go and support on this team and do business continuity and data protection." And I thought, "Okay, well, I know what data protection is, but what on earth is business continuity?" Um, and turns out it's the best thing I've ever found. Um, so yeah, I started my journey in British Gas. And I was there, what was classed as a site support coordinator. So I just did business continuity for that site, which was their debt operations site. Right. And um, I then, after being in that role, I think I was only in that role for about a year there doing business continuity. I then got plucked into a new role, you know, as they do, they put out a job description, someone sends it to you and says, you know, have a look at this. And you, you know what's happening, you're being poached. <laughs> um, and I then moved into a business assurance role across their UK customer operations for British Gas. Um, and that was really focused on um, improving the business continuity across the customer operations um, things like developing policies, creating share points, methods, instant management tools, things like that. And then... When when was it, 2020, um, just before lockdown started, I then moved into my current role, which is a business continuity manager at Bupa, and I manage that for their UK insurance sector. Um, so a bit of a short, quick journey, um, qualified my CBCI in 2017, AMBCI 2018, and then my MBCI in 2021. So I'll move very quickly um, <laughs> in a bit of a whirlwind of business continuity. Um, And there's something that people may not know about me. So um, some eagle-eyed people who look at my LinkedIn profile might have seen it and might know, but I am a qualified equine coach. Um, And this is what I did before I came into the corporate world of working business continuity. So I was self-employed for eight years um, as an equine groom and riding instructor, teaching people how to ride. So um, that was something that I did from leaving school always wanted to do um and and left behind for business continuity
0: that's really interesting and um yeah so for sure never knew that about you and i i didn't i guess dig deep enough in my research to to find that uh on the profile you said in your profile something i did see is that business continuity found you and um, and you mentioned just a minute ago that it's uh, one of the best things that's ever happened. I know for me when I kind of fell into it as well, I just felt like something clicked. is Is that how it was for you? like this is what you were meant to do?
1: Yeah, absolutely because you know, I naturally I'm, I like to do a lot of like analysis type work, but I also like to work with people. So it really did suit me down to the ground because you work with such a variety of people whilst also getting into the nitty gritty of data. Um, So, yeah, it's just something that suited my personality and has turned out to be something I really enjoy, which I think is what you need in a job and a career, because I'd come from something that was my dream job. It's what I always wanted to do. So I had those, you know, year and a bit lost thinking, you know, what should I do? Worked in a call center and, you know, and the fact that this found me and it just suited me was perfect timing, really. And if anything, it's better than what I did before working with horses, even though that was my dream.
0: That's interesting. And people listening might hear in the background a a new addition. I've seen pictures of it's Alina. Is that is that right?
1: yeah that's correct so Alina is just coming up to five months old now so she she is finding her voice so I think she may be having her own episode of the podcast if uh, she doesn't stay quiet
0: (laughs) I I, that's what I'm wondering but you know what it's okay with me and uh, I don't think anybody will will complain about it all right we need to talk about some awards so first of all congratulations to you uh, you're this year's BCI Global Award winner for Continuity and Resilience Private Professional. Uh, I'm going to go on here a little bit because the awards are are kind of, it's a rather long list. Uh, so that's on top of winning, obviously, the European Award in that same category. And then last year, you're also highly commended for CIR Magazine's Business Continuity and Resilience Manager of the Year last year. Uh, and you're part of your team at Bupa that won awards at BCI and uh, was shortlisted for CIR Magazine's awards. So, my gosh, clearly you are doing something right over there. You got a lot going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's been it's been a journey with the awards, and if not a, a bit of an addiction now to enter them.
0: <laughs> We're going to get into why we win these awards uh, in a, in a second, but I want to talk about maybe the secret sauce. So what what is it? What have you been doing personally that has gotten the attention of the industry? Because clearly you're on, you know, some pretty good radar here.
1: It's a good question. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, let's think about that. So, you know, what what have I done? I think I think the biggest thing that stands out to me and I'd hope stands out to others as well is that, you know, I have... I guess my sort of niche is finding how I can improve things. So I've done this through every role that I've been in because, you know, the awards all started back in 2018 when I went in for a newcomer award. Um, And in that role at British Gas, you know, I I got something that wasn't quite perfect and tried my best to make it as as perfect as, as I could. And I think, you know, that That's probably what's getting the attention is the ability to sort of improve and also within that sort of create that continuity culture where wherever I am and what role I'm in. And I think, you know, it's the passion for the job that leads me to do that as well. So, you know, in role that I'm in at the minute, you know, I've come into a BC program that, you know, was was good, but it wasn't great and it needed strengthening. And, you know, that's something that I've worked really hard to do. Um, and on top of that, sort of because I'm in that insurance sector, it, it, the remit's expanding into the operational resilience framework as well. So I think it really is just how I've been able to take something, you know, analyze what's there, evaluate what needs to be done, and, and build a program that really works for the business. Not whilst it's by the book, you know, I do follow the the GPG and things like that. You know, what's important is that you do it for the business and how it's going to benefit them. And I think that's really where the value lies, especially when you're looking at, you know, awards and progress and and getting noticed, because while the awards, you know, they do have, they do give you some backing. um, You know, it's nice to have that, that little banner at the bottom of the signature. I don't ever think that that's something that gets me noticed. I think it is, you know, the impact I've had with the work that I've done, and that's what people remember me for, not so much the awards. The awards are more of a personal thing for me, really. And like I said, a bit of an addiction now. So I do I am competitive by nature. So <laughs> you know, once once you start putting in for one, you you can't stop. So um, yeah, I think I think that's that's where it is. And you know, it's being able to engage your audience within that program. You know, I'm a big believer of, you know, having people understand why they're doing what they're doing. Um, you know, that's a big part of it for me. And it was a manager years ago when I started in 2017 who said that to me because, you know, you don't you don't get it right all the time. At the beginning, I made some mistakes and, um, you know, and, and he sat me to one side and talked to me about um, understanding the why and. You know, you've got to engage with people and tell them why it's important to them. I know why it's important to me, but they often don't know
0: why
1: it is to them. And that's a big part of your program as well, really.
0: You you talked about a lot of very good things there and talking about strengthening and improving. And I was going to ask you, well, against what standard? You mentioned the good practice guidelines, which is excellent. But I think even more importantly than that, you talked about Essentially, even though you didn't use this phrase, making it fit for purpose for the organization, finding out what matters most to them. And, and that's, use the word value, because what it does is it makes the program relevant to what, uh, what you're trying to accomplish as a business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, wherever I'm at Bupa at the minute, the, the ambition of Bupa is to be the world's most customer-centric healthcare company. So, you know, you find with employees, we all have the same value. And, you know, I believe strongly that there's nothing more important than family. And to have family and prolong that time that you have with the family, you've got to be in good health. So Mm -hmm. we're all sharing the same value. And, you know, that was no different when I was at British Gas. You find the value there. And, you know, I would personally never worked somewhere that I don't believe in why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I think being able to reach out to people on a level that's actually not even talking about business continuity at this point, we're just talking about what we want to achieve as an organization, the rest falls into place because a lot of the times business continuity is, it is common sense in a way. It is. Um, And it can be overthought. And I think it's hard because, you know, I know it's my job, but when you're going to other managers and things, it's not part of their role and they probably see it as well I don't come and ask you to do this work for me because you're not expected to do it so you know it's just reaching out to people on a different level really
0: you said you're addicted to the awards and I can I can (laughs) understand that and it is nice to be recognized but there's professional value in winning these awards
1: yeah absolutely and I think like I said before I've never really thought of the awards as something that will get me where I need to be. Granted, when I went for my job at Booper in 2020, you know, I did think in the back of my mind, this will help me. But I didn't think this is going to get me the job. Uh You know, and as I said, it's more of a personal thing for me, the award. So when when this all started, the manager I had at the time when I entered newcomer in 2018, um, she loved awards you know we had Rossborough awards corporate social responsibility wellbeing awards so when I came in for business continuity she's, you are going in for an award and that was great I was dead excited yeah let's go in for an award but then she says but you're going to write it and okay <laughs> oh, <laughs> so this a- was a learning curve for me because I actually I hate recognizing that um, I could be good at something you know, I'm the first person, I'm so critical of myself. Um, and the first person to say, oh, I, I could have done that better. So it was a really difficult exercise for me to write this. Right. And if I'm honest, I hated every moment of it because I'm writing these things saying, oh, you know, I just don't think I'm that good at this. And you know, when it got to the end of it and it was submitted and I came back to it a few weeks later and I thought, I'm gonna read that submission. And I did. And it was actually great. And that's what kickstarted this addiction, as I call it, because I see it as a real self-reflection tool for me. So at the end of each year, I love to look back at what I've done. And when I've done one a submission, I look back at the year before because I like to see, you know, have I come. Because at the end of the year, you can feel like I've done all these bits, but I don't feel like I've really changed. You know, I've just been doing my job. Um, so it's really about reflection for me more than anything. Um, and as I say, I, I am quite competitive.
0: <laughs> when you think about your accomplishments, you're forced, when you do something like you just described, you're forced to, to reflect on everything that you worked on. And you're right to say that you get a little wobbly sometimes when you look at that, because you know all the mistakes that you've made. And when we look at other people, we only see their highlights. We only see what they project on social media. We don't see their terrible days or their mistakes or whatever it is that that they do wrong. And sometimes it's easy, even as someone who is successful in the industry, to feel a little bit of that imposter syndrome. And um, I think there's another value right there in winning the awards or even being shortlisted for the awards is it starts to make you think a little bit in more of an affirming way about your about your skills and, and about the work that you're doing.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it's It's nice, it's reassuring. And I did actually, so I, I have a couple of mentees um, through the BCI Mentoring Program, and one of my mentees did win Newcomer of the Year with CIR this year. And she felt very much the same in that, you know, to look back and then be awarded this, you know, she felt just amazing at, at what she'd done, even though I've been telling her for years how great she is. Right. <laughs> um, you know, she to finally sort of have that and see it and look back at everything she's done, it really brought it to light. And I think, you know, for me, I think that is the biggest value of it, of it all. On a personal level, you know, when you start looking at, you know, teams or companies, obviously the awards give probably a bit more professional value than mm-hmm. it does to me on a personal award, if that makes sense.
0: At the team level, you think it, it adds more value?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um because well it depends on the type of team. Like at Booper, we've got quite a diverse team. So we we work across three different pillars. So there's there's three of me essentially. And then our manager and because it's such a diverse company, like I do UK insurance, we then have care homes and then we have dental and health clinics, Mm -hmm. all very different in the way that they manage and need business continuity to support them. So to be able to get that team award of how we work together sort of reaches across the span of the company instead of just my little section or me personally. So it does give a lot more value to the team when they see, you know, oh, they're doing something right. You know, you might get the difficult customer. We all get them. Um, And it does help when they can see that they've got a good team here that is going to support them.
0: So let's just talk about the BCI for a minute. When they, are looking to uh, award someone uh, as their global continuity and resilience team, what is it they're looking for? Uh, how do they define success? Is it team structure or program performance or culture? What, what is that all about?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, I mean, team structure is a big one. You've got to be able to work as a team and especially, you know, we know notoriously Um. Apologies, she's joining in the conversation here. No, she's
0: got an opinion (laughs) and that's fine.
1: (laughs) Uh, No, seriously, we are small teams, usually, you know, one or two people. So to be able to work together in you know, and create such big things is really important. And you know that you're not going to get people that work the same. So being able to work together is, is just key. But I think the biggest thing is around embedding. And I think it's the biggest challenge we all have, but it's the challenge that will give the the most value to your program if you can nail it on the head. Embedding is difficult as a team. If you can do that and get your team embedded across the organization, it's just, I mean, it, It's worth its weight in gold if you can do that, because that's what makes your program work. You can be really good at admin and create on paper a good program. If you can't embed that into your organization, you know, it was pointless doing all the hard work.
0: Again, fit for purpose, finding value, knowing where it fits in. It all ties together, doesn't it? It's really interesting. All right, let's shift away from that for a minute because there's something that I think that is uh, underlying here that has uh, made you successful, and I'd like you to, to talk a little bit about that too. You're sort of giving a master class here today in teaching our colleagues to be as successful as possible. You say in your profile that there's two things that are important to your success, and let's just start with the first one. It's Communication in the form of building strong relationships. So talk about why that's important to people in our industry to be able to communicate effectively.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So communication is, I mean, it's its a be-all and end-all, really. As I said before, our roles are quite admin-heavy. You know, we, we sort of have the best of both worlds. We have to go out and talk to people but also sit in the background you know collecting all this data and putting it into some sort of form that's understandable so if you can't go out and get the data that you need those plans those bias your instant management is going to be really poor or weak Mm -hmm. because you're not getting the quality information that you need and to get that your communication has to be good we are small teams we do work across a vast majority of, of managers so you I could be working with someone who's taking calls versus a general manager, a CEO, you know, because that's sort of the remit of my role. I, I look across the whole horizon within my UK insurance sector. So, being you know, able to talk to those different levels of managers is really important. And I think we may have all heard of when you can do like these personality tests where you may get a color, you know, you are either red, green, yellow or blue. And that's the type of person you are and how you like to work. You know, understanding things like that is important because you can quickly disengage your audience if you just, you know, send an email that's got too many words in it to someone who wants just a short, snappy email. Right, what do you want? When do you want it by? And that's that. So when you get started, if you're in a new role or a new company, you're going to have a few slip-ups. You've got to get to know your audience first. Um, But, you know, that bit of fact-finding It is important to to sort of help you communicate. And I think, you know, as well as being able to speak to those people, you've got to be able to draw information out of them, possibly in different ways. You know, you may have someone who does want to be left alone to do the work. Some may need guiding through it. Some might want to get the team together. Again, you've got to be able to then speak to a team, not just a manager. So it's really important that you know these. And, And even explaining yourself, as I said before, it's important to explain why we're doing what we're doing. You know, I always like to tell a little bit of a story when I'm in a meeting, you should have a start, middle and end, and make it clear why you're there, why we're doing what we're doing, what needs to be done, how it should be done, and really lay it out nice and clear. And you know, I've been lucky that communication is something that came more naturally because of that role working in horses and teaching people to ride because you know I'd possibly be teaching the little girl who saved her pocket money for years just to have one pony ride versus someone who's living in a manor house with an au pair. you know <laughs> you're right. talking to so many different types of people and you know i, I learned those different methods and it, it really helped me when i came into this role to speak to all those different levels of managers people and embed myself into their teams and that's what what's important to me is being part of their team more than my team if that makes sense
0: oh, i love that and there it goes back again to embedding and yeah. It, it, yeah. and and she agrees too and that's great yeah. uh, and it goes back to something you said earlier and that is finding something that maybe wasn't as good as it needed to be and then building those relationships having those conversations And not necessarily starting off with the conversations being about business continuity. It's just about what do we want to accomplish as an organization and then taking it from there. You know what it is. It's the exact opposite of checking a box just to be compliant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's the most important part for me. And like I say, the way I'm structured, I sit under a different sort of structure to the, the area that I work with. Yeah, I feel more part of my UK insurance structure than I do within my UK functions where I actually live in the organisational chart. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's important because when it comes down to doing plans or, you know, managing incidents, I need to understand how they work and I I need to know the managers, my stakeholders and be able to communicate on them on almost, almost a more informal level then you know and you know i believe in that no matter who you are you know i will talk to you as if i'm just talking to a person i'm not going to talk to you like you're a ceo in a way i know how to conduct myself but we're all we're all people at the end of the day and i i want us all to just achieve the same goal
0: if you find yourself in the lobby and you're waiting for the lift and you turn and the CEO is standing next to you, you need to be able to communicate like a person not and not be intimidated by that.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. You know we whilst we respect each other's roles and rightly so, and we respect each other's responsibilities in our roles, you've got to be able to just talk to them on a normal level and you know that's part of your relationship and your rapport that makes what you do so good you've got to feel comfortable with them just like they've got to feel comfortable with you they might be higher up the ladder but they don't often know business continuity like you do and they might feel awkward asking you a question sometimes because they might think well they might expect me to know as soon as i'm ceo (laughs) you know just go both ways
0: no, that's right. I had an executive vice president this week ask me if we had uh, a muster point, if we had an evacuation plan for the building, and m- my first reaction was, "Shouldn't you know that?" I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, oh, you do okay. do
1: feel like that sometimes, but you know, we got to remember we're all people, and we don't all know everything.
0: <laughs> no, that's right. So the second ingredient in the se- uh, secret sauce that you mentioned is being inquisitive. Uh, and I love that. So tell me how that's benefited you.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a great soft skill to have actually. And, you know, I mean, there's a personal side to this. Being inquisitive has helped my development. You know, I want to learn and and things like that. But aside from that, when we talk about what we do as, as a job, being inquisitive, this is how you get your good information, whether that's to create a BIA, whether that's to help in an incident Mm-hmm. or just to get to know your area as I've been saying embedding's really important so if you can know the ins and outs of the the area you're working in that helps and the only way you're going to know that is to be inquisitive I will ask questions that I probably don't need to know not for a BIA or a BCP that's for sure but I want to know because I want to know what you do and why you do it and um, I agree yeah and I think so when I was in my business assurance role uh, back at British Gas, at that time, my head so my manager's manager, gave me the best advice ever. And it really stuck with me, even though I felt like that anyway, the advice stuck with me. And she said, when you go into sort of, we dealt with a lot of incidents and crises in that team. When you go into instant calls, you should act like a child. And what she meant by that was, ask all the questions that a child would ask. Why? Why Mm -hmm. is that happening? What does that mean? Well, how do you do that? Don't just take sort of the first answer you get of, you know, well, you know, we process claims online. That's it. Put that in the plan. Okay, the process claims online. Well, why? You know, how do you do that? And if you use that system, well, what's that system used for? Why, why do we use that? One? Why don't we use this? And that's, you know, that's really helped me. And, you know, you do get the best information, as I say, in the instant room as well. It's a great skill to have. Ask why, what, how, because as we know, sometimes decisions can be made. We don't really know why they've been made and they sometimes come back around to bite you in the bum. So if you've asked all those questions...
0: That's right. Um,
1: at least we know why we're doing what we're doing and, and how we've got to where we are. Um, you know, it's all about that justification, isn't it? When we're in instance and in crises of why we do or don't do things. Um, but that's what I mean by being inquisitive. You know, just get involved. You know, I I did it in my last roles. admit in this roles. I go and sit with people on the phones. I get a headset on. I listen to customer calls. I want to know what's going on and why we're we doing it. And do I need to do that? No. But it helps me get into those sort of, into that culture of, of my area. And that's you right. Know, Again, you're, you're betting.
0: I, I love that. I love that. Hey, uh, listen, uh, Alina is getting vocal. <laughs> uh, sure, I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, I'm sure people are going to want to connect if they haven't already. So, what's the best way for people to connect with you?
1: Yeah, best way will be on LinkedIn. So you can message me on there. Um, and uh, I'm sure I'll get back to you as quickly as possible. I'm a little bit slower at the minute because this little one's taking up most of my time. Um, but yeah, that's that's the best way to get a hold of me.
0: You know, it was great getting to know you. Thanks for doing this and, and for being a guest today.
1: No, thank you. I really enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully we'll speak soon.
0: I want to thank Jane Romanchuk for being my guest today and for giving us some insights into some things that have made her successful, communicating effectively and being inquisitive and always looking for areas to improve the program. Uh, It was good advice. We're going to take a little break from uh, new episodes as we go through the holiday season. But as we head into the new year, we have a lot of interesting guests in store. And so we hope that you will join us as we continue our resilient journey.